No matter where we face, we must face the moment of truth, baby. episode of the Stereo Bros Podcast. It's your purveyor of all things pumpkin spice and pistachio. It's your boy PL. Greetings, 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 ladies and gentlemen. It is Hat Chef Suit. It's a pleasure. Hi guys, it's Jazzy. Hey, hey. Episode 67 of this here podcast. And um I'm adjusting. I'm now in East Flatbushian and it's you know oh, yeah. It feels like juve every night, and there's a lot of good food, but there's also a lot of people really aggressively driving Honda Civics and Nissan Maximas, <laughs> and a lot of gypsy cabs. <laughs> um, a Nissan Maxima was my dream car as a youth in Brooklyn. Like, Mine too. But all my, my dream car was getting my own Maxima. I feel like that's a real... Like Brooklyn things. Do people like Camrys too? Yeah. Camrys too. But the way they just drive so aggressively makes me nervous. I'm like, why you guys drive like this? But it's all good. Um, So to jump into this episode, we have to talk about a very important topic, which is humanitarianism. Humanitarianism, excuse me, amongst our black professionals. And Mm -hmm. as chefs, would you like to give them the background on what spurred this topic? Yeah, sure. Um, uh, a post was shared with me on social media um, that pretty much a rant um, or a, a really strong uh, perspective um, from someone who said, who, you know, says that they're of the opinion that the Black professional um, is not really trying to uplift the cause of African people. Um, but rather just focused on um, escaping the effects of, you know, racism and whatever else um, through access and um, upward mobility, if you will, instead. And um, although that's not what it said um, verbatim, that is the gist of the matter. Yeah, no, so, that's the gist, yeah, that's a strong yeah, gist. Yeah, and so um, there were many, 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 many people who weighed in, um, a number who agreed, uh, a number who felt that it was not their responsibility to have to be an activist um, in the sense that them making it um, is for their family and they should be able to to celebrate that. Um, and then I think we had maybe a, a small group that was kind of like, um, well, no, actually it was pretty much split between the two, between those two. And so, yeah, I guess the question for us today is, you know, where do we fall on that opinion? Um, I, I mean, yeah, as, I'm, as a, I sat with the question myself for a little while just to make sure that I was, you know, clear on what it is that I felt. And I do think that there is something to be said about, um, about, what activism or actually uplifting people actually entails, right? And a degree of that includes some some level of sacrifice, personal sacrifice. And so I think where that post went right is that I don't believe that you can get activist points for a personal pilgrimage to success. Like, I don't think that you know, you get to say, well, I'm doing this for Black people when nobody gets, nobody, no Black person outside of your family unit or maybe your close friend groups gets the benefits, the fringe benefits of that journey. So I think that sometimes people want to conflate that. They want they want those brownie points um, and they, they can't really get those because they're, that really isn't activism if we kept to the, to the, you know, those characteristics involved with it. I'm gonna get the actual definition so they can help us along with this too. But um, but yeah, I do I do see that as as um as a, 
a hindrance to the to the liberation movement in, in its totality. However, I do feel like Black joy is important, and that's also revolutionary, and that's also um, that's also activism in a way, right? You know, um, so I, I celebrate anybody's opportunity to to elevate their lineage, elevate their family, you know, to provide, free themselves from financial debt, slavery. You know, like we, I, I recognize all of that. Um, I just think that we need to be real. Like, if you're you're about lifting your particular lineage up out of this debt, then that's cool. But you can't, you can't then say that your it that your personal, uh, your personal journey to success is one that's for the culture. Is where I'm at. So many good points. Yeah, no, Jazzy, you want to go first? No, but my, one thought that came to my head is like, how does one measure your level of activism? Like, yeah. is monetary <laughs> contribution, you know, tithe-like monthly to a grassroots organization that you know is going to be using these funds to get mm-hmm. like actual food to actual people's mouths? Is mm-hmm. that not part of activism? You know, like, I mean, I and I struggle with this during like last year when, you know, everybody was up in flames and it's like, you know, what are we going to do? And, you know, a lot of it can be really just overwhelming. I'm sure you can attest to this this past mm-hmm. week. Um, mm-hmm. Like there's an overwhelming sense of like helplessness sometimes that Mm -hmm. is pretty Mm -hmm. hard to push past. And then you just end up focusing on you and trying to get out of whatever funk. But I do agree in general that we as a people, our priorities can sometimes be, I don't know, we get distracted easily Mm -hmm. is what I know. Is that, you know, we go hard, we care. It's not that we don't care, but I think we get distracted by the glittery things that we can get because we worked Mm -hmm. hard to get them, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But I guess it has to be like, and I want to say it has to be a balance, but I know deep down inside for any change to happen, we all just got to be focused and say, you know, F the bullshit. That's a fact. and, 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 And just, be on one accord because it's just That's not it's, it's not gonna work like this you continuously see it's like you know the seesaw of events it's like okay mm-hmm. everybody's posting for one day everybody got to get the the horrible savage images and it's like mm-hmm. okay pray donate to this organization and then it's right back to the next right. cycle you know the next week and and i'm not passing judgment i'm part of it too i'm right. just saying like you know, something has got to change, though. Yeah, I, it's. I'll go ahead, uh, PNL. Actually, you had a. Um, I want to hear your perspective too. Nah, I, I think it's it's you know like Jazzy said. I feel like it's tough, right? Because I think it was a very loaded overgeneralization. I think there were pieces of that that I could understand where he was coming from. You know, mm-hmm. this thought that there was, you know. Black people that were upperly mobile that will distance themselves from the struggle from their cul-de-sac or their summer home or, you know, their vacation home. But at the same time, you got to juxtapose that with the thought that everybody that is in these positions of black professional, a lot of them are Atlas, right? They got the whole family's hopes aspirations on their backs and they haven't even made it and what cripples a lot of black professionals from fully being able to realize success is this thought that they're burdened to everyone else in a way that their white counterparts are not right so you got your family saying Tyrone needs six hundred dollars Becky needs a new leg Aunt Jill needs a new heart like Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, you know, you're constantly inundated with these thoughts that you are obligated to do for people who are able-bodied and choose mediocrity, right? And then the other part of that is that, like Jazzy mentioned again, how do you define someone's level of humanitarianism? Humanitarianism, excuse me, because I personally will not be out protesting anywhere, but 
I'm on the boards for several nonprofit organizations that are committed to diversifying my profession. I give out scholarships. I mentor a ton of people in my profession in the same way I was mentored and in the ways I was not mentored. Right. And I purposely look for when I'm picking scholars, you know, I don't look for the person that on paper doesn't need my help. I look for the for the struggle story, a person that actually needs the scholarship in order to stay in school. Right. I I like pre-COVID, I would speak at kitty jails, I would speak at CUNY's, I would speak at SUNY's. I did a lot. I was outside on that front. And even now, I'm on junior boards for a lot of prominent organizations. And they look at me like, tell us what we need to do to be better about a few different things besides diversity. So I think in all of those ways, and then I'm also now, you know, have you on the PTA, right? So mm-hmm. I feel like I'm the cane and stalk of the PTA. Well, probably a bad example, but... I'm active in other ways, right? And I feel like, you know, it's times when I'm in the hood and I feel like the prior generations, they see me, you know, either with my kids or by myself and they just give me like that salute. And I feel like it'd be my own generation, sometimes younger, that are looking at me as as if I'm like some kind of gentrifying transplant, not knowing that we're from the same thing. I just chose more. And at the same time, I've been through more than most of these motherfuckers, right? Like, if you wrote down everything I've been through in my life and wrote down everything that most people, including those that posted that have been through, I can guarantee you 85% of them ain't been through the shit that I've been through. To still be here, bloody, unbowed, I ain't wincing, I ain't crying aloud, I'm still pushing. So I think at some point, people gotta just pick they lane and mash the gas pedal because the people that are not complaining are the people that are just getting this shit done, right? Like a Ken Montgomery is not going to say who's not doing it. Like he'll call out celebrities, but at the same time, he's, he's in the field with it. Right. So for that, that person that posted that post to say black professionals, I think I knew he was getting more at the, the black elite, right. The, the, the folks that get to a certain status and, become old boy from get out right like they they completely divorce themselves of their cultural identity because Mm -hmm. they equate that identity with a certain kind of pain or a certain amount of like ugliness right and i'm i'm actually reading a book now about the black elite you know the jack and jills and you know all those different structures that are in place and i've been around black elite people i've been called black elite you know and I don't consider myself black elite, but I can understand the vein of these motherfuckers are upper crusty and weird and they equate their self-worth with a job as opposed to like character. And I, I've, I've hated being in those rooms. I've been in those rooms and I'm just trying to pour a drink and I'll see somebody I know and they're like, Hey man, I saw you just did that deal. Congratulations. And I'm like, yeah, man, that was a doozy, but eh, it is what it is. And then someone will overhear and be like, oh, so deal, you know, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, you know, I just go to work. And then the person will be like, oh, you know, he's a blah, 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 blah. And the um, person will be like, oh, you know, where do you work? And then it, then it for me, it gets weird as shit because it's like now they're telling me their story. Oh, you work there? Oh, you know, so-and-so? Yeah, you know, Stanford undergrad, you know, doing the Michigan for law school. I went to, I'm double Harvard, but this is my gap year. So you seem like an NYU guy. And I'm just like, no, it's like pen. I'm like, no. And then I just walk away. I just spin. And they're just like trying to engage me on a weird level. But I've also visited those institutions and the black kids there you can tell that they are constantly struggling with identity, right? And I think those people come back to places like this and they're around people like us who can walk in both worlds and they're befuddled because they felt like they had to, you know, become something or not, you know, double veil it in order to 
survive and to exist. And I think we've collectively shed that double veil. I know I, I struggled with that at one point too. I used to code switch and now I'm like, fuck that. They're going to hear all these years, all that, right? Because I'm getting the mm-hmm. job, right? But that's that's the, the sliver of where I can hear where he's coming from. But it's a generalization that I can tell he's not fully immersed in the issue because you can't say black profession. He should have said black elitist because black elite is still a construct because we might be viewed as elite to somebody that has never left their projects. But somebody that grew up in Sag Harbor is going to view us as regular as shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hear that. I think... Um... I I hear what you're saying about the elitism, you know, um, you know, all of us being members of different divine nine orgs who, especially at the time of their inception, that that's elite, that's black elite. And then Lamp I dots, lady fingers, <laughs> first menu type shit. Yeah, you know I man. Right. Right. <laughs> and so, um, so I think we're not a hazy organization. Just to be clear, we're not hazy. I just I, I got a great memory. That's all that is. Dude. <laughs> so, like, I I hear that about elitism. I just what I find most uh, kind of exciting about the post is that I found it to be kind of triggering for me personally, right? Because you have to ask yourself if you're being real about whether or not you actually sacrifice it for a cause or not. Because I think just like just like you grew up with like the drunk uncle or the drunk aunt. Right. You never realize when you become the drunk uncle or the drunk aunt. Right. Like you never you never know. You never realize, oh, shit, bitch, I'm 30. And my niece and nephew know that when they come over to my house, I have an adult drink. You know, you never realize when that shift happens. And so in this same way, I, I appreciated the post because I think a lot of us don't realize that we're those same people, mm-hmm. you know, and that's the truth. Because even if you look at politics, often I find that this idea of the black professional, and I thought it was interesting that you brought up Kevin Montgomery, because I like I love his post on the gram because all he's doing is yelling at black professionals. (laughs) (laughs) All he does. I be hurt low key like. He ain't talking to me though. <laughs> he be going off. And you know why? You know why? Because I think the place that black professionals often find, like personally, I feel like the place where black professionals often um where we miss the mark is that we allow po- we know the truth of politics and we still play the game, knowing that it has very real consequences for our community. Our politics are lazy as black professionals. And for that reason, because it has so many deep, like it, like the reach of poor politics it hurts us so much. It's almost like it isn't even fair to be like, oh, well, you know, I'm playing the game where I am. But it's like you playing the game has real fucking consequences on other black people elsewhere. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And so it's that part. It's that piece that I think that 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 post speaks to. And it triggers a lot of us because we don't want to be those people. You know, I don't think at our heart we are those people. But it's like you said, a lot of us have been through things, you know, we're, we're trying our best to, to, to be better, fight demons, break curses, build our own, get, build things. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, we not getting nowhere as people, unless we have funds. Right. To, to, and, to the yeah. and it's, it's important to note that like every act, I think everyone needs to just know what their activism is, right? It doesn't look the same. So you mentioned that PNL, and I think that's a really important piece to remember. I'm very clear that I am not a protester, right? But I am clear on the fact that wellness is a very powerful tool. So for me, I make yoga accessible to my community. Right. You know what I'm saying? So like th- that's a very tangible way for me to 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 do advocacy work there or I'll create sp- certain spaces for certain nonprofits who don't know how to talk to a particular group of people like so to my I, it's a very privileged place to be because I work for myself right so I don't I don't I'm not meeting I'm not uh, I don't want to put any guilt on anyone who works in a corporate setting but you know the the gift of knowing what your activism is is that you can really build your life around it if you're about it about it you know what i'm saying so mm-hmm. i'm not i'm not i would never take from the people who literally risk their their life you know because when we talked about measuring someone else's humanitarianism i think we just need to talk about the the issue that you're you're trying to bring you're trying to rectify right because if 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 you're taking up for 
missing indigenous women, you the the deepest of that is probably going to try to find some of these women or like solve some of these cases personally. But the lightest of that is like, you know, sharing a post about calling a hotline or whatever, you know? It's interesting you say that because like I've seen people call themselves activists mm-hmm. when really all they do is like share yes on their yes. And while I do think it's important to bring awareness to things, I don't know if that is necessarily activism because right. what what are what is the call to action? It's exactly. a call to awareness. But I would not say it's a call to movement without other things attached or other actions to accompany this sharing of information. Right. Like, did you actually call the number yourself? Right, Right. exactly. (laughs) Because, I mean, especially with the things going on in Haiti, I'm hesitant to retweet any, you know, like there was one where people were like, oh, this is, um, I can't remember the name of it. Haiti Bridge, Haiti Bridge, Haiti, Haiti, yeah, Haiti Bridge. But then it was being administered by Act Blue, and then I'm like, okay, well, if we're saying we're not messing with the Democrats, we're not messing with Biden, we're not messing with Kamala, why are we giving them money through Act Blue? Because they get paid through that. Democrats get a piece of any money that you're sending through that organization and fees is going to go to the Democratic Party. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's all very convoluted. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know. I don't know who has the answers, you know? Well, the, I think the, the people who have the answers are us, right? Like, at the, I think the answer is at a very individual level. No one can lead you into, no one can tell you what your activism looks like. No one can tell you that. We just hope that everybody is keeping it a stack with themselves. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, but, but yeah, I think, um, I think that's, that's, I think that's pretty much it. But I, I mean, I appreciated the dialogue around the post, mm-hmm. you know, I thought it was kind of necessary, you know? Absolutely. And I, I think we, we just touched on it, but we had to talk about the crazy crisis at our border with respect to our Haitian brothers and sisters. And then, I just want to tell everybody, especially in, you know, the five boroughs, that if you don't show love to our Haitian brothers and sisters, how you going to get your Jean-Jean, how you going to get your griot, your, your patties, your compa? Like, it's, I haven't, thankfully, I haven't seen too much that's been like, they should pull themselves up by their bootstraps or, you know, America for the Americans. I haven't really seen any of that. But I think it's still important to like help people understand America's role in Haiti's current situation, right? Like when the Haitians spanked up France back in the day, you know, they were a major port during the slave trade. They spanked up the French, packed them up, and then the French came back and said, all right, well, we're going to basically blockade your whole shit and basically try to wrap y'all up and starve y'all out with the help of the U.S. and the Brits, if you don't sign this paper saying that you owe us billions, I think it's like 99 billions or some dumb shit like that. And the U.S. basically co-signed the French bullshit because they didn't, they, I think at the time they did not want the stain historically of any one nation, a black nation being sovereign and having the ability to kind of back down slavery, right? And even in history, I think I learned about Tucson in like high school, but it's because I went to a school, Brooklyn Tech, where you had access to a lot of information, right? <laughs> but even then it was it was like, oh by the way, you know, 1804, 1805 should happen. Oh, this guy Tucson stopped the French. And then the war of 1812 happened. Right. But they don't give you the context in terms of if the U.S. didn't, if the French didn't basically give up Louisiana and and all that shit and give like they was poor and the U.S. worked with them to be able to even have leverage over Haiti to begin with. But you don't realize how nuanced that is until 
now because it's been kind of swift. It's been, like Haiti's always been presented as like this struggling place, but mm-hmm. you never understand why this beautiful place with beautiful people has these issues. It's just like you know why why do they have all these issues? And then it's because <laughs> motherfuckers keep destabilizing countries and make and just basically making the situation ripe for corruption and it's it's frustrating to watch because I feel like you know I've known people who've you know worked for different foundations and been down there and shit like that and you know they make it seem like it's so crazy down there but it's like your boss is probably the one that's making it crazy down there you know what I mean and it's it's baffling the fact that um at the border these things are happening and um there's this disdain and this this like this basically like a disregard for these black and brown families that you don't realize when you're younger how shit is portrayed in the media. You know, when it comes down to anything that's humanitarian, if it's an American, it's like, oh my gosh, three Americans were killed. Oh, by the way, like two thousand Afghans, <laughs> right? Like, or like an American was tripped. Oh, by the way, like 600,000 others passed away. But on to the weather, right? It's just like they make it seem as if an American body is worth more than somebody else from some somewhere else. And to see, you know, families being pushed around by horses, whether or not they were whipped or not, doesn't matter. It's the fact that, you know, now they're gearing up to basically establish like a new detention regime where people will be you know pretty much placed in cages and it's not going to be televised but you know I'm I don't know like I don't I wish there was more that I could personally do I have friends who go down there a lot and you know every time they go down there I give everything I can for them to go down there and I see the videos of my peoples out there in the hoods with a suitcase full of shit and letting everybody come take what they want. And to me, I'm I'm seeing somebody happy with some shit that was sitting in my closet and they're treating shit as a, like it's back to school shopping almost. You know, that feels dope to me, but it, it also makes me wonder, like, is there a, a world in which none of these, you know, disparities and inequities exist? And I think it's no, because if Africa and places like Haiti have all these resources and there's systems in place to, you know, disenfranchise and, and also to keep these places from being fully functioning and sovereign, like they killed a lot of these in the sixties. Right. So um, I just don't see a path forward on, like until the next guard steps up, but, you know, nevertheless, I, I fully send out my heart to, you know, anyone impacted by the crisis because it's fucking crazy. Yeah, it's um I know that for um for me, for my peers, you know, members of my family, there is I don't I don't know um how to explain this. Like, like there's just no language for it just yet. It just feels like constant pressure, you know, because I think I think it's it's very hard for um like we still don't know who killed the president (laughs) you know what i'm saying like we still don't know who killed the president and then stuff was coming out about the prime minister so there's all this shit happening just off that alone then there was still an earthquake you know and there was still torrential rain after this earthquake and now here we are with the border situation and emotionally I think it's very exhausting for um for all of us but particularly when you constantly I mean I wish people knew Haiti in essence the way we know it you know and um they never get a chance because of all of the stuff that ends up in the media all the images we end up seeing and that can be very emotionally taxing um but not even like people that are are like Americans, but like own people with Haitian roots. Like my mm-hmm. brother's been to Haiti. I have friends that have never 
been to Haiti because of the unrest and all their families have gone. And like, how do you carry on a legacy or teach people or reach people to actually be able to help, like using the tools Mm -hmm. uh, that we have as Black professionals to make sure that this doesn't happen again. But I don't, I have no clue where to begin. I mean, that's the thing, because it's like, that's, and I think that's the, that's a lot of the core piece of the emotional exhaustion is that no, you don't know what to touch first. It feels like everything's on fire, you know? A lot of, um, like, even the type of help that that you described PNL about like you know someone bringing a suitcase down with items that's cool but that's actually a problem too because D- Haiti is a site for international dumping you know what I mean like like people just dump secondhand things there all the time it doesn't help the economy and if we certainly don't have I had, I had a lot of new items I sent by the way I had tags no, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> you're not gonna call me a dumper <laughs> <laughs> no, but what I'm I'm trying to illustrate something because even I have sent things back there, right? And I've experienced the same feeling of like seeing people happy and things of that nature. But you know, if we, when we're talking about tools, right? Your best tool to help Haiti economically is to spend in Haiti. It's mm-hmm. not to send things to Haiti. You know what I'm saying? Like right. you got to stimulate the economy with the local merchants, or else we're just gonna have because the sanitation isn't isn't all the way great in some of these places, and Port-au-Prince in particular is so overpopulated. And this is where they're deporting everybody too. So they're already overpopulated. It still looks like in, in many areas, it still looks like the the first earthquake um, hasn't been resolved yet, and you just you keep sending more people there. It's just, it's just a recipe for absolute disaster. And, um, and I mean, in terms of way forward, like people, the international community just needs to be really like the powers that be need to be very honest about what they've been doing. You know what I'm saying? That's the only way forward. The U S has rewritten Haiti's constitution several times. Do you hear what I said? The United States has helped to rewrite Haiti's constitution several times. Nobody in the diaspora has like uh, citizenship, so I can't like you know what I mean. Like it's it, there's a there's a few different on populations purpose, clearly. on purpose because we would bring back we would bring back whatever knowledge and whatever else that we want to do there. Now it, it isn't. I don't agree with the idea that just because I went to school in the mayor in in North America or in, in New York or whatever, that my intelligence is greater than somebody who studied in Haiti. I think we just have capital that we could be reinvesting. You know what I mean? Like, and, 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 and there are many ways that that has been restricted. And we also need to talk about the role of elitist Haitians in Haiti. The Wario bro, the Buzz Oh my God. No, listen, y'all don't understand. Disparity in Haiti is real. Those who have it, have it. Mm-hmm. And those who don't, don't. And when you can see it physically in front of you, there are people who have nothing. And then there are folks who have it all, you know? And like, it's it's just really hard to watch. So I don't know, as a Haitian in America, a Haitian in America, in Brooklyn, it just, it just, um, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do. <laughs> I don't know what we're going to do. I was I was speaking to my mother all week about, possibly taking a trip to texas myself um because it just i just i don't know what else to do other than to be there you know what i mean and so um but then we have caught wind today that all of the might all of them are gone <laughs> and like nobody Seriously? knows how that happened yeah they're all gone from underneath the bridge nobody knows yeah like different all gone. people went there to bring them food and stuff and they're all gone they're all gone. I think there was like some rumors that they took the men away handcuffed and like let the women and children stay. But who knows? And I, I don't know if they were sending them because then they just open up uh well, not Guantanamo Bay. No. Yeah, it was like Guantanamo Guantanamo. yeah. 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 But then but the white house like, oh no, we're not. And you know what? I have to say this. I have to say this. <laughs> Cause Kamala, this is this is part the border is under her. Mm-hmm. under her like job mm-hmm. function is it not mm-hmm. i don't know what needs to happen but the same this this cannot be the lady that y'all was like surely walked so that she could run this can't be the <laughs> same woman this can't be the same bitch that was on the verses in a howard t-shirt at brandy and monica's verses 
talking about she was she cares about this that and this can't be her because i need just like we had the energy with getting her ass in there this is the part where where we professionally keep her feet to the fire too every single organization that penned a letter hoping for this bitch to get elected mm-hmm. needs to be on her neck right now Right. She's done nothing but hurt black migrants. It doesn't matter if they're Haitian or Ecuadorian or El Salvadorian. All she does is hurt black bodies. But we knew that already, right? Mm-hmm. We knew she had a sprinkle of that in her already, right? So I don't, I don't like to say I told you so with these things, but she making it really hard for anyone to be on her side at this point. But I still, I get not voting for them, but like, what is the alternative to have Trump there and then be fighting the resistance? No, honestly, we need to start paying attention to the other candidates. Like, there be other people that run. You know what I'm saying? Right, like, right. Well, that wasn't well, Jack and Bernie. That wasn't, nah, that wasn't Jack and Bernie. Not Bernie, but no, just extending our vote. Like to the, we all loved Bernie. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing that I know we had, I, I had explored early on in, um, uh, the pandemic was starting a lot of like black political packs yeah. to support, um, you know, a black political party, like yeah. really reclaiming our, you know, political power. So I guess in that aspect, I'm with you. But like, I mean, I'm not surprised. I'm not over here like oh, Joe Biden did that. Right. Come right. on, like, right. Not at all. Like, not at all. Right. I mean, but you, see, yeah. I see that I can see I can see where many people feel vindicated in that like I told you so but I would agree like well I didn't think they were going to go in there and change everything up I thought they were going to keep things as status quo as they could put a little sprinkle name a couple legislations and executive Mm -hmm. bills to make it look like they've done something Mm -hmm. but again like we were talking about that whole time when we were voting, we were like, okay, yes, the election, but what are we doing on the ground? What mm-hmm. are we doing to organize? You know, like, yes, I think there should be people shouting at them and 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 doing all that from Twitter or wherever else. But then there needs to be mobilization on a grassroots level also, because that's really all that gets things done. Mm-hmm. No, there's, I mean, yeah, you have a point. There's, I mean, there's lots of grassroots organizations, but this, but even th- that is an illustration of the topic we talked about first, right? Mm-hmm. You, It's a privilege to be able to, and even as someone who, I'm not at the border, I'm not in Port-au-Prince, but I feel like I am, you know what I'm saying? And like, and maybe it's because, you know, I'm like, I feel it viscerally, it feels it almost feels like lucky you to be like, oh, we knew this, that they weren't going to change it. It has very real, them, them, how do I want to say this? It's easy to be like, we knew they weren't going to do anything. If it's not your, you're not looking at your people right. on the TV. Right. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, even black folk, they identify with Haitians to a degree, right? But they still Haitians. I'm Haitian. And for me, it's it's very hard because I've been screaming this shit about some of the Democrats since Hillary was running mm-hmm. because we knew what their track record was. And mm-hmm. these people have never hid their experiences with these people from, mm-hmm. from, from anyone. You know what I'm saying? This information has always been readily available. But still, you know, there's still this energy of, well, I mean, what was our other option? This. It's like, nah, like. This other option hurts some people too. You know what I mean? And so it, it's that piece that I think is really difficult for me to, to sit with because it's like, y'all had so much, there was so much gas for these niggas and they still haven't passed your anti-lynching bill yet. They still ain't excused them student loans yet. They, st- I mean, you know what I mean? It's, it's, they still, it's like, and to the point of like, like them doing the status quo, for me, it's like, aren't we in a time where we can't do the status quo anymore? Like, isn't this revolutionary BLM, all this stuff, because we can't take what the status quo has been? So why would we be comfortable electing people who are going to keep it going? And, 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 you know, that also ties into that disconnect between the elites and, you know, everyone else, because I think, you know, people vote especially once you start to get a couple of dollars, you vote fiscally 
what makes sense. And then everything else kind of follows after the dollar. And um, I don't know, man. I think there's not much more we can put out there that will impact that, but we had to just at least have a conversation. Um, what we got to say words, Steph? Well, ladies and gentlemen, to lighten the mood just a little bit because we all deserve some joy, we're going to throw it back with uh, some verbal nostalgia. Okay, so drum roll, please, for today's vocal. Oh, excuse me, say word. Today, oh, y'all have me there. Great. Today's word is none other than butters. Say with me. Butter. Butters. Butters. Beautiful. Butters is an adjective and a noun and is uh, used to typically describe fire things or to describe a fire or to or is a fire thing, I should say, because it's both a noun and an adjective. Would anybody like to use it in a sentence? Uh, I could try it as an adjective. Um, okay. Old boy stole a fire polo jacket sorry excuse me he, he stole a butter polo jacket from Saks Fifth you can't find it anywhere he's the best booster out of all of them <laughs> that was a very well thought out sentence <laughs> story <laughs> um that's good thank you I used that's that as yeah yes yes you did and you did that successfully good job thank you thank you thank you're you. welcome so, ladies and gentlemen, butters, wow your friends at your <laughs> next socially distanced engagement, uh, courtesy of the Stereo Bros. There you go. So, our next topic, uh, Ask the Bros. This came up, this is like Ask Jazzy, but it's more like the uh, <laughs> the neutral topics that are not male bashing. Um <laughs> How this topic came up is because there's been lady predators um, in response to Kevin Samuels. There's been some lady predators that are out there preying on our, our youthful men. One in particular, her name is Brittany Renner. And she proudly is about 47-ish in the face. Um, and she's been targeting young professional athletes to get impregnated by and I, there's a rumor that she has some young soul on the Hornets tied in for 200k a month in child support and won't even let him see his daughter and I just wanted to talk through you know what are the like is there a such thing as too old in the context of adult dating or too young in that same context in a world where, like, if you go to medical school, everybody in there may not be in their 20s. You go to law school, everybody in there may not be in their 20s. Same thing with B school, too. Any kind of professional school, you're going to meet people that are mm-hmm. older and younger, right? Yeah. So if you fall in like or you fall in lust or you fall in love with these people, should their age in, its, in and of itself be, like, um, a hard stop, right? Like, where do we draw those lines? And I think... I want to get your perspective because for me, you know, a single me would be grossed out at the thought of trying to talk to, you know, a woman in her, in her early twenties right now, especially given how, you know, they all are brunch scammers and what, you know, lamb chops and hookah. Like I would, you know, hard pass on them, but you know, is there a, like, is there an age limit? Should there be an age limit? Should it be something else that we use to kind of, you know, keep the game a, a bit fairer because I don't like the idea of somebody like mentally manipulating somebody into or out of, you know, love, lust, or their money or anything else like that. Hmm. Well, well, okay. 
So biologically, it's said that, you know, women mature faster than men, right? So that's why it's encouraged that women date men that are older, because I think it's implied that they'll be on their maturity level or be ready to care for them in whatever way they need, right? So we don't look at, you know, male, uh, you know, a, a male senior, uh, seven years, 10 years, a woman senior. We don't look at that as like bad. We look at that as like, oh yes, a, a man that will show her the world or teach her something or or something like that, right? But I feel like the other way around, it would immediately be looked down upon. Um, like, oh, like, what's that about? Like, oh, are they, tri- is she tricking or, you know, or, I mean, and it could be just two mature individuals that get along, but, you know, it's, 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 it's not normal, quote unquote. Um, I mean, to use the Britney runner example, she's like a very polarizing person, like because of her thoughts on, you know, her body and being able to, you know, be with a million dudes and, you know, and just turn lock, lock turn mini key. Right. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Episode, the episode 25, 26. (laughs) Yeah. Let the cars versus garages. Beep, beep. Um, but yeah, so I mean, like, she's not necessarily the person you want to use in this example, but, um, like, it's not like he was 18. Like, come on, like, no, like, the way they're talking about it is like he's been preyed upon. When do, when women be with their sugar daddies or they're, you know, pushing men in a wheelchair, nobody goes, oh my gosh, like, what is she doing? She's preying on or she's being preyed on. Like, nobody looks at it like that. So why is it, why all that smoke for her? Because a lot of these athletes are used to you know, like she's apparently she's she's dated people in the industry and she's, you know, she has a, a history of dating around in the industry. And she purposely it said that she went to arenas trying to entice somebody that didn't know anybody. Like this dude is green, right? Like he although he might have been like early 20s. Mm-hmm he was prepping to get to the NBA. So he probably didn't have experience dating anybody that, you know, looked like her, but you know, if you go to any hood in America and you go to like the local deli or like the mall, you're going to see 20, 30 women that look like her and 50s or 60 that look better than her. So mm-hmm. I think dudes just didn't have like, but I think there's also this weird culture of the internet, social media, putting these women on these pedestals and you see the comments I'll eat a lamb chop out your ass like <laughs> you can be saying the most off the wall shit to these women a lot of how them, is that even fucking anatomically possible <laughs> to eat a lamb chop out somebody's <laughs> ass that's gross you gotta be like a a lollipop lamb chop and you gotta like sit it right <laughs> okay thanks <laughs> <laughs> but anywho um I think that this culture of praising mediocrity gets us to the place where people like that feel comfortable going on the internet, justifying, preying on, you know, Mm. athletes that just don't know any better. And at the same time, he knew better because of her reputation. But I think, you know, I think it's also a proximity thing because most athletes aren't meeting hat chef suits and jazzies because y'all here doing a podcast on a Friday night. They meet in whoever's in the arena, whoever's in the club, and the people that are in the arena and are in the club are women like her preying on people like him. Yeah, I think um, Brittany Renner, it, like, I think this is like, yeah, I think the situation's disgusting. Um, <laughs> I think a pervert is a pervert is a pervert. You know what I'm saying? Like, a perv is a perv, you know, and she's a widow. She's a whole widow for this. 
I think of any young man and my, I have God, I have all godsons, you know, and I could just imagine a bitch, you know, pretending to be in love with someone who is like, mm-hmm. I think the kid literally, he wasn't 18 Jazzy, but he might've been like 20, no bullshit. Like oh, really, like, really young, really, really young. And, and she is, is like in her thirties or something. Yeah. You know, and then there's footage of her talking about how dumb she thinks these athletes are. You are a predator. So I think it's really disgusting um, that she did that. I don't think anyone cl- should be clapping for that behavior at all. Um, and and that, I mean, yeah. And yeah, <laughs> sure. We could say that for the other way around, too. You know, I went to Barton. There were tons of old men picking up young girls from school you know what i mean and that was disgusting and nobody said a fucking thing so i understand what you mean um jazzy but like mm-hmm. like in the, in the in this britney renner case that's a lot for the average joe schmo i really think um i've been impressed by some younger people mm-hmm. you know sometimes they have a certain level of emotional maturity that is not present in someone older so I think it can make relationships possible, you know, um, it can make healthy relationships possible. So I wouldn't armor myself against someone who is younger than me. It would just be how young, right? Like, so um, because I think there are some developmental milestones that you got to hit mm-hmm. and, and your age can be a pretty good, uh, it's a pretty good, like, Give me the word. I'm going to say metric. I don't even know if that's the word that I want to use. Yeah. But it's a pretty good index. You know what I mean? It's a pretty good KPI. Like, it, like it's it's just really good at, at being able to to assume where your mind might be at and what your goals might be at the time and whatever else, you know? And what 20-year-old was looking to build a family, you know, with this girl right. with a brand new MBA contract? Like, what, bitch? Are you serious? Yeah. So, I mean, although she, she is the extreme. She the she was looking for, like, clearly. And for those that don't know, a KPI is a key performance indicator. Indicator. Um, <laughs> yes. But I'll I'll send some city boys y'all away that are in their twenties that don't want nothing but a good time and to uh basically tongue wrestle and pelvic thrust. Cause that's like <laughs> at at twenty listen, at twenty, I think I made no, at no, at twenty I was let me see, twenty, where was I? Let's say twenty one. 22, I probably made about 30K and I felt like I was fucking balling. Right? Mm-hmm. So at that age, I had a fast car and I loved faster women. So if somebody said, hey, guess what, nigga? You got a baby with me now. I'd have been like, holy <laughs> Life as I know it is over. Yeah. Granted, I was an IT professional. I wasn't what if she didn't go into it looking to just trap him? What if she she's in her late thirties? Holy shit! 30s, maybe she's ready to have a kid. Girl, she filed for a divorce or whatever in secret. <laughs> in yeah. secret, two months after the baby was born, this was a whole jux. It was this a jux. Not love gone wrong. It was a jux. She lined this nigga, and he got. You yeah. see a lollipop? You're gonna lick it. So, well, or a so, lollipop lamb chop off an ass. Whatever. <laughs> Either way, oh she's gross. She's gross. That behavior is gross. It shouldn't be applauded. I think. I think there are a lot of things that. Uh, some. Some. I hope nobody makes that that behavior an aspiration. Is what I hope because, especially because there's a child involved. Where I think you know often you know, women who applaud that behavior have, you know, they've made victims out of really, really good, good men. You know what I'm saying? And I think it's really fucked up. Even if when we think about like some mothers don't deserve to have custody of their kids, but the court is going to give it to them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's some men that I know they provide for their children regularly, but somehow they on papers. Why? Because this bitch really want to be with him. And you know what I mean? Like there's, there's, there's all of this, 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 I don't want to use the T word, but there's all of this like disgusting behavior that I really don't want us to make aspirational. Like it's call it what it is. It's 
it's weird. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a pervy flex. And, um, and honestly, I don't know why there isn't a civil suit or something against her on it. Can she do that? I'm not a lawyer, but like, can she, can he sue her for something? Cause I would, I would try. You owe me damages. (laughs) (laughs) What kind of damages? Treble, duties, consequentials. I have no idea. All I know is that I'm looking wild. I'm looking wild on the street. It's affecting my ability to perform at my job. (laughs) Okay, I can't see my kid. All kinds of emotional distress. Like Mm -hmm. you owe me. You owe me damages. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nah, it's it's. I don't know, man. And. I don't know people are gonna hear this and say, "Well, what about the guys?" I don't. I don't condone the dudes that be wild, old, and like there's mad famous people that snatched up super young women and all that. And I don't condone that either. So I think across the board, you know, you gotta let the youth them be the youth them. And I think certain settings might be a little different. I think like the college setting is a little bit different. I think the the academic setting is a little bit different just because of the proximity. You, you get to actually build relationships with people of different ages. Um, I know when I was in school, in high school in particular, it was a dream of mine to meet with several of my <laughs> teachers. It didn't happen, of course. <laughs> I would have been on the Lifetime special. But, um, <laughs> I mean... Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't listen. I just feel bad for guys because I feel like some of these guys just—they're good kids. <laughs> they just need more church. You know it's I mean? true. Different. It's true. They need more guidance. I mean, and that's not even new information. The young athlete is so vulnerable. That is like it's so it's such common knowledge. It's comedy sketch jokes. You get what I'm saying? Like, so it it shouldn't. It should. I don't even know how this bitch got that close to this nigga. Like, who? No, he don't got no friends. He don't got nobody that knew this girl that warned him. Like, it's it, the way it seemed with everybody clowning him or playing him was like everybody was like keeping their distance when they mm. were dealing with her. Well, it doesn't. Well, anyway, age as it as it relates to the, the regular Joe Schmo, I just think it's a really good indicator of. Uh, well, no, it, it's a really good lamppost to kind of just decide, see where somebody might be at. But, um, but you know, you can't be surprised. So leave room for that. Maybe it'd be helpful to have like a plus or minus number. I find I do that from time to time. You know, yeah, like I won't, I won't go beyond this or more than that. I don't know. I feel like in the words of Curtis Jackson, well, <laughs> it don't really apply, but he said. Nas full of lower hoes. Me, I just like them. <laughs> <laughs> I think that it's okay to like or lust these women, but you cannot think that, you know, and also in the words of Thomas Elliott Noble Sr., rest in peace. <clears throat> Once a cucumber turned into a pickle, you can't turn it back to a cucumber, right? Like, <laughs> like once these women are at this, and, and men too, you know, once they get this, Throw in their mind, this is what it is. Don't try to be the the outlier. Don't try to be the the, the one that's going to change them because all you're going to do is put yourself in the crying game. You know, you can be sitting mm-hmm. there watching her story or you know watching you watching yourself in the tabloids. You know, crying crying in the shower, eating eating old crab legs or eating you know eating well in this case a two hundred pack a month. Hope something eating like pork and beans and cursing the world. Cause that's a fucking situation to be in, or cause he might have legitimately liked her and thought he could change it and all that kind of stuff. And she said on the gram, she's a hoe and a housewife, and how no one can judge her and all this other shit like that. And I'm just like, yo, in her mind, she she thinks this is like an actual okay thing to do to somebody. She, and she said she's a hoe and a housewife. She said, people say I can't be. A, oh, you can't make a whole housewife. Well, I'm both. And I was like, wow, she really thinks in her mind that this shit is okay. Uh, I I, I kind of stand the whole whole housewife joint, to be honest, but I don't stand her. Um. She basically <laughs> is making, if, if, if that number is true, she's basically using him to subsidize her lifestyle because I got yeah. two kids. Ain't, 
and they active as shit and you know they've been in private school ain't no way that their expenses are 200k a month even if you factor in my household expenses it's not 200k a month so he's paying mm-hmm. for her lifestyle mm-hmm. it's fucking crazy that's really unfortunate damages <laughs> that's wild damages. let's get to this new music um my song for this week is from a legendary rapper from Brooklyn named AZ. He dropped his album. Really? Yeah. Doe or Die too. AZ is always been one of my favorite rappers. Um, shout Where out to East from? New York. East New York. He from the okay. East. Um, he's had hits okay. with Miss Jones, Nazir Jones. Um, mm-hmm. He's been a part of the firm with, with Foxy. And Nas, the song's called The Wheel, featuring uh, Jaheem. So go check that out. The album is Fire. His first project in, in a minute, maybe a couple of years, but it's still a really dope one. So go check that out wherever you stream your music at. All right, who's up next? Um, I love... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I, go ahead, I, I, this isn't new, oh. but... I've been ro- uh, listening to it on rotation for the past couple weeks, uh, running it back um, from Kalani's uh, most recent album. Um, wait, the name of the album again? Lust Me? No, it's not Lust Me. But the name of the song is Bad News by Kalani. And oh, it was good until it wasn't. That was the name of her last album. Yeah, she's fired. Awesome. I uh, I've been playing her hard place over and over and over this week. It's um it's so melodic. Um, so that's my song choice for today, this week. All right, folks, go check those songs out. Um, my ending quote for this week is. Uh, dear Flatbush, please slow down on Flatbush Avenue. Please slow down on Church Avenue. Those Civics and Maximas that y'all are driving like that, that's not why God gave y'all those cars. He didn't give you those cars to drive aggressive and to honk and to like tailgate and be extra aggressive and stop short. He gave you those cars to go to and fro. So when you see me in my dad mobile, please don't be, you know, speeding to the red light and trying to swerve around me in your Maximo or your Civic, respectfully. Um, so I guess my final, well, my final, my parting words is a bit of an anecdote. I attended a very, uh, informative lecture with an, a, I seen our story in Dr. Bayina Bello yesterday. And I learned the fun fact that Jean-Jacques Dessalines, who we consider to be the father of the, of the, of the liberation story, um, certainly the father of Haiti, he did not become a free man until the age of 33. He got his freedom from the plantation at 33 years old. Why is that significant to me? Is because uh, often, you know, we're conditioned to believe that at a certain age, you've hit your prime or you can't start a new thing or you can't, you know, ascend to a new way of being. And I just found it amazing that the man who liberated a nation wasn't a free man until the age of 33. Mm-hmm. So that means like his, that, that route to that position of being, you know, the father of this liberation movement started well after. And so I just think, I just think it's a, it's a, a reminder that age isn't a, a, a barrier. Like it, it isn't a hindrance and you can really, you can really be awesome at any age. So that's my parting word today. Yeah. Um, For the black yeah. professionals that have given up. <laughs> For the black professional, it's not too late. Turn it around. Not too late. It's not too late. Seriously, um, honestly, when is, where is NPHC? Let me go back. Mm, Let me shut mm, up. Go ahead, Jazzy. Mm, mm, go ahead, Jazzy. Said it. Um, it's Libra season, guys. 
The libras are coming. The libras are coming. The libras are coming. This is me hyping myself up. You hype yourself up to um hat chef suit. We 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 here, right? Libra gang gang gang. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm not into it this year, guys. I'm trying to figure out what I want to do for my birthday. I can't really think of anything, but I have to celebrate. I'm very much a person that like I celebrate my birthday because I'm thankful for life. I'm thankful for the air I breathe every day I wake up. So I must celebrate it, but I really don't know how, and I'm not that hyped to do so, but I'm going to go through the motions and the routine and hope that my spirit catches up. I think you should have a, a gathering at your home. Make that Cheeto macaroni and cheese. Should I? No, we're trying to be healthy. And your corn soup. We're trying to be healthy here. And I'll be there. Buffalo cauliflower. I don't know. Yes, the buffalo cauliflower was lit too. Yes. Celebrate yourselves and treat the Libra in your life. Those are my parting words. I fuck with those words. Hey, <laughs> Stereo Bros. This is episode 67. You're welcome. You know, we've had some recent events that have pivoted us away from some of the things we wanted to do, but bear with us. We had a lot of things cooking for y'all as COVID reopens New York City. You know, we have some things that we want to make happen for y'all. But in the meantime, StereoBros.com for all things us. The merch is out there. Buy more of it. Help put my kids through school and, and more importantly, keep this podcast going because your donations keep us going. This is like PBS 13, like reading rainbow, you know, this donation. podcast made possible. Donation. Podcast, Gifts. Right. Like, <laughs> you're like, this podcast made possible by, by y'all. Right. So make sure you follow like, and just more, more important, keep having these conversations, right? Like keep, listening to this and then talking to your friends, you don't got to agree, but at least had a conversation. That's the only way we're going to, you know, right these wrongs and make it do what it do. So keep that in mind, y'all. Over and out. No matter what we face, we must face the moment of truth, baby.